This episode of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by The Everyday Fan. Check out their content and a passionate group of content creators getting together to create content for the, for the growing community of pop culture, fan base, fandoms, and especially sports such as football, basketball, baseball, professional wrestling, and MMA fantasy sport. Control your content and share your story around the world today. The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Today's edition of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by Anchor.fm, a free distribution service podcasting hosting platform that allows you to record your podcast on your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so much more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor.fm app or go to Anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. I'm your host, Eric Brown, and finally I'm on time with something. And not late. Oh, God, I'm hoping to get things back on track, but I can't make any promises. Pulp Fiction star, you know, Samuel L. Jackson, has recently come out and announced his intention to fire back on Quentin Tarantino after his little comment about the MCU and Hollywood. Tarantino recently had riled Hollywood up with comments suggesting that the stars of the Marvel movies are no longer movie stars and it's the MCU and its characters are now the box office draw. I mean like, okay fine, there might be some arguments you can make to that, but I think due to the nature of multiversal logic, I'm like, I'm not going for full-fledged multiversal logic. I mean like, you could say, we're having Iron Man in here. But it's not Robert Downey Jr., and I'm pretty sure people wouldn't be as interested unless you got a bigger name for than him. And the only one I can think of is uh, Tom Cruise, because he was originally supposed to play Iron Man, but Tom, uh, uh, but uh, sorry, uh, said no to the role when he auditioned at first. Samuel Jackson decided to fire back by saying this, it takes an actor to be those particular characters, and the sign of a movie star has always been what asses have uh, been what asses and seats. What are we talking about? That's not a big controversy for me to know that apparently these actors are movie stars. Chadwick Boseman is Black Panther. You can't refute that, and he's a movie star. And Samuel L. Jackson brings up a good point. Like, if we were just going and saying that the characters were the draw of the movie, then recast T'Challa would have been the thing and not what the crazy psychopathic fans wanted, even though I do understand their argument on some things, it's just that, well, considering the circumstances and, t- and Chadwick Boseman's connection with everybody, 
it would come off in bad taste. I'm like, you can still do a multiversal version of Chadwick Boseman's character, Chachala, with a different actor because, hey, it's, the, it's another universe. It's not the main Marvel universe. So, yeah. So, when this was brought up, a lot of people, been, ever since Quentin Tarantino's little declaration of war against Marvel and DC saying he would never make one, um, he mostly targeted the Marvel Universe because, let's be real, that's the more popular one. And, yeah, maybe slapping the name Marvel Studios does help these these actors uh, get the box office draw. Like, let's be real, um, how many mainstream audiences know who the star of Shang-Chi was other than, oh, he looks like that guy from those stock photos and videos? Because he was. And then he got the big role in Shang-Chi, and, well, now people know who he is. Like, <laughs> yeah, so I get that part. But at the same time, it's like... <laughs> I always were curious to see how Quentin Tarantino and Martin Scorsese, two big anti-MCU comic book share universe fans, uh are known for... I would actually have been interested to see what they could have brought to the table in these superhero genres and whatnot. Though I also want to bring up uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Like, okay, let's be real. Nick Fury is not the Nick Fury we got from the comics. This Samuel Jackson plays the Ultimate Universe Nick Fury, which makes me believe that the Ultimate Universe was secretly a prototype project to build the MCU, but they realized they had to get all the terrible content out first. Uh, so they just went with the Ultimate Universe and they just put in several tidbits of mentions regarding who would eventually be casted for the MCU. At least that's my conspiracy theory. I'm pretty sure I'm not really being serious, but who knows? But yeah, uh, yeah, maybe got really mad, like even the Shang-Chi star got mad about it, uh. Yeah, and Wakanda Forever, it did a lot of great things. I mean, like, it probably did suffer from the fact that Chadwick Boseman had tragically passed before the movie was filmed, and, you know, people didn't feel comfortable about it. Like, that would have been understandable. But it's still their way of honoring T'Challa, a.k.a. Chadwick Boseman, both in fiction and in entertain and as a, as a project. So maybe I'm just... M broken or mentally crazed or something. <laughs> Meanwhile, for speaking of the craziness, Red Dead Redemption 2 is suddenly popular again. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Apparently, according to Eurogamer, Steam's database shows Red Dead Redemption 2 racked up 66,000 players concurrently on November 24th. This was significantly higher than the previous record of 55,000 that was recorded on December 26, 2019, soon after the title's November 5th PC launch. Now, they say that the reason for this... Uh, is because the game was on sale reduced by 67% and despite the fact that it sold a lot and revealed that earlier this year Red Dead Redemption 2 was revealed to have been sold over 45 million copies to date since that release uh, Rockstar kind of screwed Red Dead Online and 
there was no theme content updates as they focused more on Grand Theft Auto 6 as their live service project. And this was after fans had held a funeral for Red Dead Online in which members of the community dressed in black and paid their respects to a game that had so much potential. So... Yeah, I, I'm, I, I was shocked when I heard that. So... Scarlett Johansson... Remember Scarlett Johansson? She hasn't done... She, she, we haven't heard from her since her days as Black Widow, but people know who Scarlett Johansson is. However, we are hearing, we, she recently, according to Deadline, it just recently came out, Scarlett Johansson will first have, have her first lead TV role sees her return to in an earlier movie. According to Deadline, jo Scarlett Johansson will both star in and executive produce The Just Cause Show for Amazon Studios, based on the 1992 book by John. I can't pronounce that last name, so I'm not going to try. The novel was first adapted in 95, starring Sean Connery as Harvard professor Paul Armstrong, while Scarlett Johansson played the daughter, Katie, when she was 10. So, her first big screen role was that, her first one of her first, and she's been doing pretty well since, and well, she is now doing this. She's returning to where it practically all started for her. I'm surprised no one went with Warner Brothers portrayal stuff, considering how Warner Bros. TV is making it, is involved with this production. So, yeah. After finishing up the prod, Natasha Romanoff of Marvel's Black Widow, and is currently in production of Project Armis opposite Channing Tatum. Okay, good luck. She's also starring in the upcoming Wes Anderson film, Asteroid City, as well as My Mother's Wedding by director Kristen Scott Thomas. And presumably she uh, isn't, won't be back as Black Widow. However, Johansson isn't quite done with the MCU. The actress is also still linked to a mystery Marvel project, which she will produce. So, no idea what that is. It could be Phase 5 or 6, and we won't know until then. So, Suzanne star Ashton Angel all wants to see his superhero interact with other DCU characters in this new universe. Yeah, um... <laughs> okay. So, Angel plays Billy Batson, and the original Sasan featured the minor cameo of a in-actor of, of Superman dressed in his outfit, but, you know, not really him because there was talks broke down due to commitment issues with scheduling conflicts. Uh... Uh, so, what that's going on, there is also a report last I heard that Wonder Woman will be in Fury of the Gods. I'm curious as to know what she'll be doing, but at least Billy Batson will get his wish. Armor 3 developers are fighting against in-game footage being used as war propaganda. Really? They're really doing it. People are really doing this. They're trying to 
recreate the tri someone is starting mods to personally being created to resemble the Ukraine war and shared online as real life footage that wasn't there and we're at this point eh, I'm surprised gaming realistic shooters haven't fallen apart because of that uh, when things like that happen also um so moving on from that, uncomfortableness, being reminded of the current state of the world, apparently Rockstar shocked the world by revealing they never thought GTA would succeed the way it did. They actually was once voted least likely to succeed by the studio. In an interview with BBC5, GTA, GTA 2 producer Colin McDonald described the early years of working in D DMA design in a Rockstar North and how GTA's first game back in 97 didn't have the most favorable outlook. outlook. At the time, he said that they were working on several projects and a DMA staff surveyed the showed which game studio felt would be the most and least likely to succeed. The one voted most likely not to succeed was GTA. That's because mid-development, the direction of the game wasn't clear, it was also quite buggy, you couldn't play for more than a couple minutes without crossing, so certainly at the grassroots level, there wasn't a lot of confidence in it. Considering uh, how GTA came out, in the end, I, I say it worked out pretty well. Although too well, but, you know, it's not like anyone suffered for it. Besides uh, Red Dead Redemption, Red Dead Online, any other creativity from the hands of Rockstar. Yeah. So, yeah, while that has been going on, meanwhile, the new Witcher remake has been announced that it will be open world, as CD Projekt Red confirms, saying that it will be a story-driven single-player open world RPG, continuing where The Witcher was always as, as Witchers 2 and 3. So, get ready for that, everybody. Meanwhile, Just Cause studio employees call for change amid year-long battle over controversial hire. So, after months of back-and-forth between employees and management, Just Cause developer Avalanche Studio, not to be confused with the Hogwarts Studio, Avalanche Software, okay, has published a public apology to its employees for mishandling a controversial hire. <laughs> so... There was a controversial hire made. I don't recall what that was. It's been a while since I last heard anything. <laughs> the sources of IGN said that the individual in question was hired in 2021 into a project leadership role within Avalanche Studio of Cecilia Nordrich Film offices in Stockholm, New York. Stockholm, New York, I can't pronounce his third name, and Liverpool. Ultimately, employees raised multiple concerns with the studio's leadership and HR over the hire, but sources say those concerns were not acted upon. At one point, employees were allegedly reassured by leaders that they would not have to work directly with this person due to remote work and status as a contractor. So then why was he given a leadership role? Then they broke the promise in 2022 because, of course, you had to trust the corporate heads. As he began to work in the office, only holding one-to-one -one meetings with female employees and attending company events, this person was eventually promoted, promote, prompting a wave of frustration from employees who did not feel the concerns were being held in management or HR. They eventually resi resigned in mid-2022, but sources say the lack of transparency around his hiring and the company's unwillingness to acknowledge employee concerns remained a source of ag 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 no, 
agitation within the studio. In October, one employee approached Avalanche leadership on behalf of a group of employees to ask the company to apologize. But no apology was taken. Matters came to a head on November 9th when the employee posted a message in a work Slack channel saying they were no longer comfortable with the ethical implications of selling my labor to Avalanche Studio Group. The message, which was reviewed by IGN, specifically tagged Avalanche CEO and invited employees to the email to email the poster of their personal e- on their personal email for more information on the situation, which led to a uh, company-wide email from the from the CEO that day, to which the CEO emphasized the company's zero tolerance policy and arrested that and arrested Avalanche had in fact. And it tested that Avalanche had in fact done a background check on the employee after the issue was raised internally. The background check, he says in emails reviewed by GN, included the results of a third-party investigation of their previous workplace. So, yeah. I don't know, it doesn't say who this person was, but yeah, apparently a lot of bitterness happened, so... Yeah, I have no idea what went down. So, speaking, moving on from that controversial event that happened for Avalanche Studios. <laughs> we get The Last of Us talk. Troy Baker's perspective on The Last of Us ending changed after having a child. Troy Baker revealed that how the birth of his son understand Joel's controversial decision at the end of Last of Us Part 1 and talked about his ongoing wish to play Daredevil during an intense emotional appearance of, at, in Italy during a convention. In a recording of the interview, Baker, who voiced the protagonist in part one, explained that he was at a disadvantage to the game's writer and creative director when coming up with relating to Joel's decision. Upon being asked if Baker would have made the same decision as Joel, oh, he replied that when we were making part one, I was at a disadvantage to Neil because Neil was a father, I was acting, this was very poss- very real possibility for him, what do I look like in the event that I lose my daughter? Specifically, the decision to save... Ellie at the end of the climactic part of the game by preventing Firefly scientists from performing a fatal operation on her that could have led to a cure for the infection that was destroying mankind and the time since making the game Baker became a father and now he finally realizes why Joel made that decision by saying and I have a son I don't know what it would look like if I lost him but I do know that if I had the opportunity to save him I would do anything I would do anything to save him so people have asked me why would Joel do that when he could have saved the world and my answer to them is always he did he did save the world it's just that the world was that girl and that's it okay I also have another question um What if the child wanted to make that decision? Would, would that have changed things, probably? No idea, but okay. I have no idea, but Troy Baker has his opinion. Like, I don't have kids, so I'm probably not the best guy for the job on that front. Meanwhile, Twitter, you know, via Twitter account that constantly wants to blow itself up half of every single second of the day nowadays... Well, Elon Musk announced that on his on Twitter, Musk said the platform was rolling out three distinct types of verification, a gold check for companies, a gray check for government, and a blue check for individuals, celebrities or not. Musk also said that all verified accounts will be manually authenticated before the check appears on the profile. Am I supposed to say something? This is the same guy that allowed COVID misinformation to spread. 
in a policy change that he told no one about. I posted on my Twitter account revealing that he, revealing, finding out that someone did post, someone changed the policy, Elon Musk changed the policy on COVID misinformation, saying they're no longer going to enforce its will, and he told no one. It was a quiet update because telling people, not telling people that would have resulted in common sense being played about, and we can't have that on Twitter anymore. Well, more than usual, but still. So am I supposed to say something about this verification thing? I'm, I, I, I don't know anymore. I give up. So, yeah. Moving on, James Gunn has also decided to shoot himself in the foot by talking about the new DC Universe they're producing. And I have... So many, so many questions to the point I am completely concerned that James Gunn has finally went off the deep end. Because, as you know, from the MCU, we always had a system. We had the movies and the TV shows, but mainly the movies. The TV shows were more like side stories that weren't really affecting the main plot of the big story. The movies were always the big attraction. Then the Disney Plus service happened, and then you had the TV shows, you had short films, you had movies, and they started doing it in a way with vast quantity of it, to the point that I got burnt out with it and just decided to drop everything for a while. So, (laughs) yeah, that had happened, and now James Gunn decided... To announce, because he is royally insane now, that not only will the DC film universe include movies and TV, he's also saying animation, okay? That they're similar things, but okay. Then a fan asked him one question if there was plans for games to be connected to the DCU, and actually James Gunn was like, that's crazy, not everyone plays video games, he said yes. James Gunn plainly just wrote back saying yes. (sighs) There are a hundred different problems I have, but let's go to the biggest one. And I said this to I said this to one of my buddies on Twitter as well, and I've said this in a previous talk. Not everyone who watches the movies or t- TV or animation will play the games, and not everyone who plays video games will watch the movies or TV shows. Heck, you got people, and plus, and I had to bring this up: the animation stigma that HBO Max and other services were recently doing this year that hurt the animation medium because kids or something like that, saying, and that whole thing and that stigma has further complicated things because adults aren't going to understand this. Kids would be confused of, wait, w- w- when did this happen? Like, wait, but the movie happened. It, oh, God damn it. And adults are under the stigma that animation is just for kids and not for all people. And now you want to add video games to this? 
goddammit. So, okay. So that so they had to some other people had to come out and say this. Rocksteady Studios had to confirm that the Suicide Squad killed the Justice of the game is not part of this rebooted universe, and that it will be part of the Arkham Asylum games and. And Gotham Knights is its own thing, more like a split-off. Um, yeah, and then there's the Wonder Woman game, which they had to come out and say, no, it's not part of the DCEU Reborn. It's not part of that. So are they going to rewrite the games? Is James Gunn going to do something stupid? And if so, why? I'm so confused. And I don't know when it was going to stop. <laughs> the continuity is going to be up in a... Like, if you thought watching all the shows on the Marvel side of things was annoying at times, when they kept making more and more and more at the in rapid succession in such a small window that you weren't allowed to get a breathing room, imagine what they're going to do with video game content, especially after people already have the stigma regarding video game movie tie-ins. But now, video game tie-ins that are part of the main continuity? Oh, oh god, I feel sorry for everyone who has to keep track of that. Like, I'll probably play the games if they're good enough and don't bog us down with continuity. But I have no doubts that they'll do that. <laughs> okay. While I lose my mind over this, please enjoy this ad break from, from me and from Anchor.fm. And we'll be back after these messages because I think I need to get a once over on this because, oh God, I need to think this through. This is so insane. Okay, everybody, we're back. Let's get back to talking about DC because, of course, I had to go keep going. So, James Gunn, on November 30th, posted a tweet with the, with the quote saying, Making plans and an image with the Kingdom Come cover by Alex Ross. Uh, considering that you would have to have to build a very big lore piece in order to just justify making Kingdom Come... Or you do what, surprisingly, the Arrowverse did, where they took elements of Kingdom Come and put it into the uh, DC TVU, as I call it. Um, <laughs> James Gunn uh, posting that just further helped complicate things in my mind. And... Uh, God damn it. Not only that, Dwayne Johnson came out and revealed that the studio inexplicably and inexcusably did not want to bring back Henry Cavill. Johnson even explained in a Twitter video, if we're going to establish Black Adam as the most powerful, unstoppable force in the DC universe, we have to bring back the most powerful, unstoppable force of all time in any universe. And you guys know who I'm talking about. Of course, that's Superman and that's Henry Cavill. And how they talk about the hierarchy of power in the DC Universe. 
He reveals that at the end of the day, the studio was not bringing Henry Cavill back inexplicably and inexcusably. And however, he and his team weren't going to take note for an answer, saying, For us, there was no viable, logical way you can attempt to build out of the DC Universe with the most powerful force and the greatest superhero of all time sitting on the sidelines. Well, considering how DC seems to tend to forget that uh, it was Superman that kickstarted the DC Universe by Action Comics number one, not Batman, I, I see where he's going with that. It's impossible to do. You can vein diagram business-wise the whole 90, 90 different times, but it comes back to where's Superman. You have to have Superman back in the mix. And there was no other Superman, by the way, to bring back. Henry Cavill is our generation Superman, in my opinion, the greatest Superman. He had only two to three movies. If you want to count Josh Whedon's cut, then four. Uh, yeah. For Johnson, the news signals that this is a promising future for James Gunn and Peter Serfran's DC. He also mentioned bringing Henry Cavill back. Now we build out the DC Universe properly, strategically, and smartly. Again, the hierarchy of the DC Universe has changed, and of course now we have new leadership at DC and at Warner Brothers. Again, hierarchy of power of the DC Universe has changed. It's a new era for the DC in the DC Universe. Considering how there's still issues with getting Henry Cavill back and he's not signed to a contract officially, according to other reports, even though they already have plans to make a Man of Steel movie finally that's not taking forever, yeah, we might have a problem with that. Also, Warner Media, Warner Brothers Discovery decides to continue, con continue to piss people off with a very confusing deal. So, according to Deadline... They're exploring animated IPs on different platforms, and that includes HBO Max, which is owned by Warner Bros. Discovery, according to a high-level executive at WBD TV Group. Apparently, it's a major animation deal with, animace, with Amazon for DC content. Okay, I, I got a question. Is this implying that you're going to move all your animation projects, specifically DC ones, to Amazon Prime, which would cut out a good chunk of the audience of HBO Max? I mean, like, if you cut off all animation and move it just to Amazon, then that's even a bigger problem. But, uh, yeah, and considering how DC, how... James Gunn came out and said that both animation and video games would be part of this new DC Universe continuity for the for the films, the DCEU. The very fact that now you're going to probably risk saying that you have to have both an HBO Max account and a freaking Amazon account, Amazon Prime account. I'm trying to wonder the logistics in that nightmare scenario, but okay. Meanwhile, um... So, remember Bob Iger, the guy who recently just got brought back to Disney after Bob Chappick was kind of thrown out? Well, um... <sighs> so, people ask, so he promises Disney's embrace of acceptance and inclusion will continue after the Florida controversy. You mean the controversy where Disney at first supported the uh, Don't Say Gay bill, then after employees... 
protested. They said, okay, we will, we will not, we will fight against this, only for the bill to pass and Ron DeSantis to be a bit petty little baby and do horrible things to try and worsen Disney's power because fighting corporate America finally had to happen because the corporation decided, hey, you know, maybe treating the LGBTQ community plus uh, like a bunch of scumbag monsters, or as you, Ron DeSantis, like to elegantly call them a child groomers, it's kind of a stupid idea. And when Bob Iger came back, apparently there's word going around that there would be that Ron DeSantis is not continuing back their tax exemption status. Though I'm pretty certain after this, I'm pretty sure he's gonna say, Ronnie boy is not gonna is gonna say F that and continue his declaration of war on the world's largest company and also your biggest contributor to the economy. Because that makes all the sense in the world. Isn't it sad that it finally took corporate corporate America to start being fought by by the government? It's because the government wants to be horrible and the corporation actually wants to make sense for once. Oh god damn it! Moving on, Spider-Man Four. Remember that the movie that was canceled that was eventually going to happen at one point. Uh, they actually have the vultures' wings from that movie. There was revealed. By Ken Panders, Ken Panders on Twitter revealing the Vulture outfit that was originally set for the villain of Vulture in Spider-Man 4. And yeah, the designer who worked on it, he's also responsible for designing Maguire's Spider-Man 3 suits. So yeah, hearing this, um, <laughs> I- I'm curious what could have been, but considering how they re- re- removed Michael Keaton's character of the Vulture to Morbius, to the Sony Spider-Man universe, instead of the MC, and because somehow Doctor Strange's spell now involves universal removal even though you could just erase the memory, but apparently that's so entangled that they have to move into a different universe. You know, that was never explained. If I wouldn't Doctor Strange have mentioned that? Uh, what do I know? I'm just a fan. Meanwhile, Marvel Comics is set to have, set to as Dark Web starts to kick off, meet the new character Hallow's Eve and Amazing Spider-Man 14. So, and also, coming out of the Dark Web event will be Hollow's Eve number one, a new character for Marvel by Zeb Wells. Uh, yeah. So, um, this is the thing. Now, I have not read Zeb Wells' run on Spider-Man, the new run they're doing. All I know is, is that the art turns me off from ever getting interested in it because I don't like John Romita Jr.'s very modern art style that makes me think Frank Miller did this, even though he didn't, but he probably would have. And once again, I'm left wondering why do we have to continue making Peter Parker's life miserable as possible? And 
Then there was a moment in the Judgment Day tie-in that made me go, okay, if you're gonna do something like this, could you have not picked a better writer than the, a better artist than the one you got? Because I'm pretty sure having Gwen freaking Stacy return since she's been dead since the 60s should have been a much better art quality than whatever the god's name that was. It's just, it should be a seminal moment for Spider-Man. He not only somehow passed Judgment Day, I, I must stress he somehow passed that and he made a deal with, with, with Mephisto, and yet this be the god of judgment, the, pro, the progenitor, revived Gwen Stacy for a brief moment and, and the art does not really help. It really should have been a better artist. Like, the fact that Gwen Stacy was brought back, it brought back just for a moment for a page amazes me that they had a what I felt was very bad art for that issue. Oh, it's going on to the uncanny valley at times for me, but yeah. So yeah, that's basically my internalized thoughts on the Spider-Man run that uh, Zeb Wells is on. That and also how the fact that Peter Parker starts to have improvements in his life going and then somehow blows up a city. That's at least the vibe I'm getting from that giant crater. They still haven't revealed that yet. We'll probably learn later, but still, it's annoying that that MJ says, "I want to move in with you, Parker," and then somehow a city and somehow a massive land gets destroyed, as if the universe is saying, "Parker, you can't be happy. You must be miserable as possible," because because the universe said so, and editorial sucks. So, yeah. Moving on, Quantic Dreams. Oh, for God's sakes. Uh, Quantic Dreams uh, founder David Cage, who is not at all controversial whatsoever, talked about Star Wars Eclipse, the game that will may never be seen in the light of day until the late 2020s, which should tell you a lot of things. Uh... <laughs> talked about the future of the game and the development process along with talking about the future of Quantic Dreams along with having to say that they, will, that they don't have any plans to adapt any of its games for movies or TV, which is me saying, well duh, no one wants to work with you other than Disney. And even then that's not enough. Oh god. But yeah. They, he had to reiterate saying that Star Wars Eclipse will not be a skin of Detroit become human because I didn't even think that. And how there's a mutual respect going on for them and yada yada yada. And I'm just that guy that's like, I don't care. Can we get another developer like, like, uh, yeah, you see, this is the problem. Quantic Dreams is terrible, but it's hard to really think of another company that could be at that level of quality that Quantic Dreams brings to this table because all the other developers either are terrible these days or they are no longer the juggernaut they once were because if I said Bioware, then I would be saying, oh, which one, modern Bioware or old Bioware? 
And I would say Square Enix could have done it, but then we saw how that worked out with uh, Marvel's Avengers stuff and the NFT craze they're kind of still on. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bethesda's working on a mobile game. Todd Howard revealed that the Fallout Elder Scrolls developer is working on a mobile game. And then he says, well, we're having done a few things, and we have a new mobile game that we're working on that we haven't announced yet that I'm in love with, which means it's going to suck. He didn't give any other details out, saying this, um... We have found our, with our games, particularly Fallout Shelter, people will sit there for an hour or two. They will just sit there and play it. Large number of people play it for hours a day. Have you not watched your Fallout 76 fans who have defended the game and even religiously played it for months on end in the span of a week? I am still baffled by that. And because that user played the game the way it was supposed to be played, that's then how it got banned. Because only that can make sense. So, and we all remember Elder Scrolls Blades that I kind of forgot about. I still have it on my phone and I haven't touched it. Like, at all. I got bored of it after, like, an hour. So... Yeah, as that's going on, executive producer Todd Howard also decided to talk about the upcoming Indiana Jones game, and especially after, especially since the trailer for Indiana Jones came out, and the poster was revealed during a convention. And he just says that Indiana Jones will be a, the game will be a unique mashup of different genres, and. Very little has been said about it since they announced it back in 2021 of January. It's confirmed to be an original story, at least some of which is set in 1937, probably in, and probably in the Vatican City. Meaning it's somewhere between Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade. Also, another teaser was that Indi the Indiana Jones will visit Egypt, Peru, and Mesopotamia. Uh, yeah, still a couple of years away, so... Um, and plus, Starfield's didn't develop it still. And last but not least, to cap this whole thing off, there's also the Fallout TV show being developed for Amazon Prime. They have announced that they will tell a fresh story separate from the games. Okay. How about, uh... Yeah, they had to reiterate that this is not a retelling of Fallout 3 or 4 or New Vegas. Honestly, I want something different from the Fallout universe, like, say, Fallout London mod, but for TV, Fallout Germany, Fallout Russia, China, Korea. Like, there are other places we can go to in the Fallout universe, and only we stuck to America. Canada, Mexico... South America? Africa? Like, can we do something new? No, we're not going to get an answer about whenever that will be. Okay. But sadly, it does revolve around America, because America and Vault 33... 
But beyond that, it's still hazy. This was from a brief teaser trailer that was released back in 2022 of October. So... Yeah. Kind of still hoping we get something beyond America Fallout. Because there's the rest of the world. Are we going to get an answer what's going on in the other world, other parts of the world? Or are we just going to be vague and confusing about it or act like they don't exist because of America? Like, that was a criticism I've had for years. Like, the, like at least Airplay, before everything fell apart for them, were at least committed to the idea that, yes, there was more going on in the world, and they did have ideas and concepts to expand the Fallout license had money been much more usable and less scarce, and they were going to make stories and content for Fallout that was going to showcase everything outside of America. Like, China was going to be taken over as a monarchy again, and they were going to build a nuclear device for you to go ahead and stop from launching because they plan to finish off America, and you had to cross through U.S. to Canada to the Bering Strait because that land somehow exists again, get back to, get to Russia, travel all the way down to China, and fight three factions in there trying to get there, and that sounds like a freaking awesome game, but if it was made into an open-world science fiction epic, that would be kind of awesome. But, yeah, that was a cancelled project they had that was meant for consoles and whatnot, so not much ever came out from that. But at least it gave you the idea that Interplay at least had somewhat of a plan to go beyond America for what happened in the nuclear fallout that was the end of the world. But, yeah, we'll probably never see those ideas be brought up. We'll probably never even see the rest of the world besides the mods, modding community of Fallout London. Which is a darn shame because I really, really kind of wish we could see more countries that were in the great disaster than America because we're kind of running low on places where we can go with America. Like, I think we are pretty much closing in on running out of ideas. Or at least that's just my take. But, uh, yeah, those were my very jumbled thoughts on this whole thing. I have been your host for 59 episodes. We're closing in on the 60th episode. Hope to have that out. I'm also am trying to get more stuff around, and I had Thanksgiving off that week in November and partied, sort of. Not really. I, I, I mostly helped around the house. And I got back on content making on YouTube for a little bit, but you'll be seeing this podcast on anchor.fm and this episode once again brought to you by by the everyday fans and you'll see this again on youtube you'll check this out everywhere else be sure to follow the follow this podcast throughout all the podcast through the podcast sphere go on youtube to check it out go on my twitter account brand account that i have that's for the reality collective and i'm still trying to plan things out for that probably automation to post articles and whatnot that could be added into future episodes where I give more descriptive thoughts about my stuff on this whole thing but we'll have to see about that but uh yeah this was your host Eric Brown Neo Reality Collective brought to you by the Everyday Fans be sure to check them out in the description below stay tuned for more see y'all next time and stay tuned for this last outro and ad break and we'll see y'all again take care everybody
be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels, such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.